Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. We thank you so much for just being a part of our lives. Thank you for leading us. Thank you for guiding us. God, we ask that you give us a double portion of your love, mercy, and grace. God, let us see and hear things from the way that you see and hear them so that we can see things from your perspective and not our own. God, you say that we should be like you. So God, let us live a life that is according to your plan, will, and purpose for us. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit. God, just allow me to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Allow me to speak your word today. And Holy Spirit, thank you so much for just filling me up. I just ask that everyone that is listening be able to retain your word and apply what they need to apply in their lives. God, keep our hearts softened for you. Keep our hearts melted for you so that we can live a life of abundance through you. Spiritual abundance, spiritual richness. God, we want to please you. We want to satisfy you. So God, please allow us to fulfill your purpose in our lives. God, let us receive your word today and change. Uproot all of the wrong and bad in our lives. Show us our wrongs so that we can change them and submit to you, God, whatever it takes. Shaking and awaken everybody in the world so that each and every person can experience you. We want to love you, God. We want to experience you. We want to see your glory, God. Show us your glory. Allow your will to be done, God. Your will, not our will. Most importantly, Father God, we just ask that you just please just keep your word hidden in our hearts. Plant your word. Water your word. Use your children to plant and water your word and, and grow your word in us, God. Don't allow us to stay the same. Position us, pivot us, maneuver us, orchestrate what needs to be done in our lives so that we can be positioned exactly where we need to be. Position us now, Lord. Whatever it takes for us to be ready for your word, allow it. God, we don't want to just be learning your word like, like we just infants on milk. We want to be mature in your word and understand you. We want to understand and receive revelation, interpretation of your plan, will, and purpose, God. And allow us to be bold. Thank you for giving us boldness. Thank you for making us fearless in this world. We only fear you, God, because you you have the power of life and death. You have the power of all, every single thing in this world. And so we just thank you that we serve you, God. Thank you for giving us a chance to communicate with you. So we appreciate you. But most importantly, Father, we just ask, please, please, God, let your will be done in our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is sealed in your atonement blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Law of Life and Health. Let's talk about it. So I had quite an interesting um, discussion yesterday on love, hate, and benevolence. Um, I was pretty much talking a lot about communication. So I want to continue on in that discussion today. I have some scriptures in the word that I want to talk about starting off. So let me go ahead and share my screen. So yesterday I was reading about um, in First Timothy chapter two verse one through four. I'm gonna read this scripture again. It says, "I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, 
that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. So what this means is that regardless of the way the truth is being revealed to us, sometimes the truth can hurt your feelings. Sometimes the truth can make you be offended. Sometimes the truth can withdraw you from a situation. Sometimes the truth can cause you to think leery. Sometimes the truth can make you feel like giving up. It depends on what side of the spectrum you're on. What, what lens are you looking at life? You know, because when you are receiving the knowledge of truth, how are you responding to it? The way that we respond to things, our reaction, our actions to conversations, to the truth will determine our outcome. So if you reject the truth, then your outcome will be another learning lesson that you'll have to experience. So many times people say, okay, well, you know, you went through this situation, get over it. Right. And it's not so easy to get over things sometimes. Right. It's not easy to overcome a lot of things in life. But if we see God, we can overcome everything. There is nothing that is impossible to God. But how are you handling the truth? Many times women, they date men and they marry men that are going to commit infidelity. They're going to cheat. And, and men marry women that commit infidelity. And then it's like, okay, when you, when you come together to try to work things out, it's like, okay, tell me the truth. You want to know. But really, do you really want to know the truth? Because a lot of times the signs are there. You know, there are patterns of behavior that leads up to a person's uh, position, their actions and reactions to things. So how are you handling the truth? How do you acknowledge the knowledge of truth so since god wants us wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth it's important for us to want to accept the truth so god is true let me go to this other scripture i had i had these other scriptures up here and now got the holy spirit just led me to another scripture Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading me to this. So in John 8 and 44, here we go. John chapter 8, verse 44. So it says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we know that the devil doesn't hold on to the truth. The devil is a liar. Your enemy is a liar. Your enemy does not like the truth. So God is truth. So let's go to another scripture just to confirm this.
So if you go to Romans chapter three, verses four through eight, it says, God forbid, ye let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So let God be true and every man a liar. So the fall of man was because of Satan, the enemy, through Eve and Adam, right? And so that led to the contamination of mankind right there. That was the fall of man, having the knowledge of good and evil. But see, what happened was, is that, see, Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. And as we analyze like everything that, that Jesus did while on earth, he was without sin, right? And so with that, he also carried the truth with him. Every time he spoke, it was the truth. When he communicated, it didn't matter who he communicated with. He spoke the truth. He was bold. He even called the Pharisees at one point, you brood of vipers. That's what he said to them. So when you think about how God is, see, God is the head. And as long as God is the head, he's telling us what his will is. He's telling us what his purpose is. He's telling us what he requires of us. Okay. And so in order for us to satisfy the will of God, we have to first understand what God's will is. So if we go back to first Timothy, two one through four and verse four who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth so we see in john 8 and 44 that our enemy is a liar there is no truth in him we see in romans 3 4 through 8 but we we were just placing emphasis on verse 4 that the enemy is a liar so god is true and every man a liar so what we can conclude from these scriptures is that god is going to always be truthful if you have a question please go ahead and put it here in the q a or you can put it right here in the chat and i'll i'll see it and be able to respond to you there so god is true and every man is a liar so going back to first timothy 2 and 4 we see that God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So if you cannot, you cannot, you cannot continue to read the word of God or read the word of God without understanding what the truth is. If you read the word of God and you don't understand what it means, it's simply because you have rejected God. You have rejected the truth. And so you have to invite God into your heart you have to invite him into your life to reveal to you his word to reveal you know you say god reveal your word to me reveal your will to me god show me what your will is for my life show me god i need to see so right now i just pray god that god i just pray that you allow everybody that is listening to be able to understand what your will is for their life god show them your will for them show them your will in your word so if god wants all people to be saved that doesn't equate to all people being saved i hear so many times i hear some people say well everybody is god's child 
Everybody is not God's child. We see that in John 8 and 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. So the enemy desires is not to be truthful. The enemy desires not the the enemy's desire is always to do that which is in contradiction to God. So in order for us to be saved, because God wants us to be saved, we have to we have to con we are constant in a constant battle with our flesh. And so God wants us to live in peace. And God wants us to have quiet lives and, and to live a life of, of godliness and holiness. But if you don't find godliness exciting, and if you don't find holiness exciting, who is your father? Is it God or is it the devil? When you're reading the word of God, what do you understand about God? What is, what, what is some of the things that God is saying to you when you read the Bible? Do you have a Bible? Are you able to look in his word and understand what God's will is? If you are, then you're very, you're getting very close to understanding God's purpose. You're getting very close to understanding God's will. But if you're not, how can you say that you believe in God if you don't have God's will? You don't read his word. You're not practicing the things that God wants you to do. So how can you be saved? So there's the difference between having potential and being sure that you have a relationship with God. How is your relationship with God? Is it only just communication? Or do you actually read his word? Because the Bible in 2 Timothy 2, 16. Hold on, let me go, let me go to that scripture. Second Timothy 2, 16 through 17. That is not it. Hold on. Second Timothy three sixteen. I apologize. So the Second Timothy three sixteen, we see that the word of God. It said, "All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness." So, if the Scriptures are God breathed, why why don't you have access to them? Why aren't you actually reading the Word of God, and, and so that you can understand what God's will is for your life? But you, you're not only just going to understand what God's will is for your life, but you will also understand the will of God for others as well, for everyone. So you will understand what God requires of all of his children, not just for you, because then you become saved and then you, you are part of the body of Christ. But if you say that you love someone and you say you love God, you have to make time for God. So there is 24 hours in a day. And I say this almost every week. There is 24 hours in a day. How much time are you spending with the Lord? How much time are you spending studying his word? So we need to be having the word of God come out of us. 
We need to be speaking it because it should be embedded in us. It should be embedded in our hearts, allowing God to transform us. So I want to go to scripture. Um, I want to go to this scripture. It's uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 10 through 11. It says, go into the rocks, hide in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. God is going to be exalted, whether people want to exalt God or they don't want to exalt God. God isn't going to make you robotic, but you do have a choice to invite him into your heart. God is exhausting every single possibility of trying to touch your, your heart and touch you in your life. God is using every single tool that he can to get you to voluntarily serve him, to voluntarily understand him, and to voluntarily read his word. So you have this choice. You either going to make God a part of your life or who, who is going to be the head of your life. So I wanted to switch. Let me go ahead and um, stop the share. And I'm going to start share again so I could put the PowerPoint up because I want to finish some of these things that I was talking about yesterday. So um, yesterday I talked about the, um, hopefully it is sharing. I believe it's sharing. So uh, let me go here. So I had finished up talking about the biases and sort of like the ongoing personal homework biases, the lifelong process of understanding like multicultural um, diversity. And I wanted to go over a few other things with this one here. So, okay, I think I went over that one. No, I didn't go over all of this. Um, okay, that's why I think I left off there. Okay, so having understanding, knowledge, and the skills that are needed to empower programs through program, um, do very different programs. This, okay, so this is an assignment that I did at school. I had facilitated a discussion. I thought that it was, it was quite interesting. It was actually a, a brilliant article that I wanted to share when it comes to love, hate, and benevolent groups. We have to be able to have a dynamic culture. We want to be equipped with having the knowledge and skills th through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this will allow us to have cultural competence. And this is all we have to do is pray for cultural competence. And um, so being able to employ diversity requires an understanding of the deficiencies and deviant practices that we have. We want to be able to analyze the access, the available resources, including the inaccuracies and invalid understandings that shape the variations of our thinking. Having understanding, knowledge, and skills that are needed to empower us through being culturally competent will allow us to sort of employ intercultural um competence and we will also have an understanding of the backgrounds cultures identities of others um their biases as well and and it will allow us to unlearn behaviors 
that may interfere with our cognitive perceptions, skills, and cross-cultural understandings of others. So for me, I have a number one question for the LGBTQ transgender community, and that is, if you are going to remain your authentic self, how do you plan on respecting the boundaries of other people? And so that is my one of the questions that I have. Um, another thing is uh, being able to understand that biases are not something that you could just hide. Biases are a part of your intrinsic personality or your character. You know, what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth because that's what the word of God says. The word of God says is it's. It's not what you eat that defile you, but it's what's in the heart spoken out of the mouth that defiled them. So the, the what you say, what you speak, these these things are already in your heart. So when you think of like microaggressions, I, I've talked microaggressions. I've talked about um, biases when some people aren't even aware that they're making biases. And some people are aware of their biases. They just still continue to you know, embark on their microaggressions with other people anyway. You know, they disregard others. And so these type of prejudice behavior, stereotyping or negative attitude could influence our inability to be able to broaden our understanding of other people. So God wants us to plant a seed. God wants us to water seeds in people's life. And God is the grower of the seeds and in, in, in everything in the person's life. So we must be speaking the word of God. We need to speak the word of God. We need to understand people so that they can receive the word, you know, and if they don't receive it, it isn't you that they're rejecting. It isn't you that they are rejecting. It is God that they are rejecting because if God sends you in their life to speak to them and they're not receiving the word and they're not accepting it, it's not you that they're rejecting. They're ultimately rejecting God. So don't take it personal. It's not about you. It's never about you. It's about how we as a, a people can actually try to create guiding principles that allow us to have ongoing personal homework for our, ourselves that will then allow us to overcome these stereotypes, the negative attitudes and those type of things. I believe that there is probably one person or multiple people within the LGBTQ community or transgender population that could answer that question. If you are going to remain your authentic self, how do you plan on respecting the boundaries of others, including parents and, and, and students in school? Um, so these are questions that can be answered by who? The LGBTQ and the transgender population of people. So is it our position for us not to communicate with them just because you don't disagree with something? Absolutely not. If I disagree with something, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to talk to you. That would be foolish. That's immature. It's idiot. It's idiotic. You know, that's mediocre type of behavior. For me, I don't. I, I think that we should be able to talk about every single type of subject, um, because if we are to be like God, we are not God. We are to be like Him. We should have God's attributes, His qualities, and we should continue to resist the temptations that are within us. Okay, and that means that okay, just because you disagree with us, something. It doesn't equate to you having been correct, right? So why not talk about it? It's just like in your relationships, your relationships with your coworkers, with family members, your friends, um, your spouse. 
you know, you're going to have disagreement. So you have to exhaust every possibility of communication efforts, right? It's like if someone is mad, you don't you don't want them moving on to another subject and you're you're upset because like it's wait a minute, reverse work, reverse back. Okay, let's talk about this. Because yes, we can still move forward. And yes, um, I still want to know if you're cooking dinner, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to talk about what just happened earlier today. So if there is an issue that is going on and that is taking place, we have to be able to have, we have to exhaust communication efforts. It's like when you say you love people, you're supposed to show them that. You know, it's not about us. It's specifically, if you're saved, it's not about you. It's about those that are lost. So we we need to be like doing everything in our with that is within our means to get a person to understand. Hey, God loves you. You know that, right? Everything is gonna be okay. Do you need me to pray with you today? What is it that you need to talk about? What's bothering you? Let's talk about it. Let's let's talk to God about it. You want what? What do you need? What anything specific you want to pray about? So we have to be there for people so that we can authentically perceive their regular thinking because they have regular thinking. Like I said yesterday, there are a lot of people in this world that some people have Western Western civilization ideologies. You have individual uh, women who have the strong black woman syndromes. You have um, the Ku Klux Klan and different other groups that are hate groups. You have so many different groups. Right. You have the LGBTQ, you have the transgender, you have the all lives matter, the black lives matter. You have all of these different groups and they all come. They come with a, a set of pre-existing thoughts and beliefs. And within these pre-existing thoughts and beliefs, we are all going to have some biases. But you have to be humble enough. To say, I, I would really like to know what what your thoughts are on this. Okay, I would like to know what is your perspective. So if if you can gain uh understanding or a synopsis of the way a person thinks, you can help them. You can provide solutions. It's not about focusing on the problem, pro the, the problematic things. It's about focusing on solution-driven approaches that will help sponsor these interpersonal um relationships. So basically the ongoing personal homework should include as somewhat the article suggested that core intercultural and multicultural competencies that map the navigate. This is what I said that these competencies will map the navigation system to allow the guiding principles for us to refine diversity, right? Understand the interests and values of others, sponsor the interpersonal connections, intent instead of our personal intent so let's let's understand the interpersonal intent of other people not our personal intent remember when you're communicating it's not about you when you're ministering to people it's not about you when you're going out and you're you know someone is upset it's not about you now the the, the situation they could be upset about you but that isn't the only thing that could be bothering them in their entire life. It couldn't just be just you. They're up. There are things that are rooted deep within 
everyone's internally um belief systems and sometimes these internal beliefs could be positive they could be negative proactive and you know reactive so you want to be able to analyze things from a perspective that is not going to hinder the um authentic perceived voices of others all right because it's not about you at all it's always about the people activities and their outcomes so that's the way we are supposed to think as children of god that this is the way that i think in real life okay this is not just for no camera this is not for anything else because for me i am somewhat unfazed by a lot of things and some people say well you're nonchalant you you know you're i'm not nonchalant okay i just understand that it's not about me i'm not looking at things from one perspective i look at them the, the and and so that's i i really want to switch subjects in a minute i didn't even know i'm talking for 40 minutes already and there's so much information that i want to go over um let me switch for for a moment here so i'm gonna stop the share and go now i was reading this article right and so i'm gonna go to this article after after okay so after class yesterday well on wednesday i began to like pray i was praying to god and these um i found this this article here it's called uh it's through open stacks books of psychology is five is five one sensation versus perception now i am not sure how i even gained access to this but i was trying to like fully understand how our perspectives differ and they differ differentiate so <laughs> my i typed this in and all of a sudden i just found this article okay i am not sure how i came across this article but i believe that the holy spirit was leading me to look at this article and i'm telling the i'm telling the truth about this because i typed in something totally different and then this article just like think of this article <laughs> so this is kind of a long uh article i believe is it out of a book um and it's called um let me see if i could get the title of this book so this is a, a book that's called psychology two psychology to um second edition so this is psychology second edition and it talks about um so it was published in april of 2020 and um so it's it was it's an interesting um book it's an academic book too so i'm still not sure how i, I just found it but um i thought it was really interesting so some of the learning objectives that i wanted to go over all right let me go let me give you give the author's credit so this book was written by um maria argiti out of lincoln university laura bryant and uh barbara chappelle et al so there are like a lot of different authors that contributed to this academic um book okay so i'm gonna go right into it and so some of the learning objectives of this particular hey jj i see you now thank you for joining me on here 
All right. So um, the learning objective is distinguish between sensation and perception. Describe the concepts of absolute threshold and difference threshold. Discuss the roles of attention, motivation, sensory adaptation, play, and perception. So sensation. So when you think of sensation, there are specific types of a stimuli. So these sort of sensory information that is detected by a sensory receptor, um, is this is called a sensation. For example, light that enters the eye causes chemical changes in cells that line the back of the eye. These cells relay messages in the form of action potentials, as you have learned when studying, when studying biopsychology. So it goes basically to your central nervous system. So when you have a sensation for something, it turns into like a conversion that then stimulates your sensory. And this action is known as transdu transduction. Okay. And so we all know that we have five senses. And that is vision, hearing, which is auditory, smell, which is olfaction, taste, which is gustation, and touch, which is somatosination. It turns out that these five senses is basically oversimplified sometimes. We get our movement, um, which is kinesthetic, kinesthetic um, pain through no, no susception and temperature through thermoception. So that those are our vested, um vestibular senses basically like our body position um i don't want to go over all of these but i want to talk about specifically now our perception so when we have like these sensory receptors that are um collecting information from the environment it ultimately allows us to interpret the information um with how we interact in the world this is our perception so our perception refers to the way that we, you know, obtain our sensory information, how it is being organized, right? How it is interpreted consciously or, um, for instance, we have our, um, we have our um, consciousness and we have our subconscious mind. So bottom-up processing refers to sensory information from a stimulus in the environment driving a process. A top-down process processing refers to knowledge and expectancy driving a process. So top-down, top-down processing occurs when previous experience and expectations are first used to recognize your stimuli. Your stimuli. The bottom-up processing occurs when we sense basic features of stimuli and then we integrate them. So basically, the bottom-up is like the environment. We, we see these things happening. From the top down, we see that there is, is experiences and expectations. Now, I know I talked about the top down approach and then the bottom up approach with the intersectionality, but this is looking at it and analyzing it from a per psychology perspective. So I want you all to know, um, so that the book, it gives an example. So imagine that you and some of your friends are sitting in a crowded restaurant, eating lunch and talking. It is very noisy and you are concentrating on your friend's face to hear what they are saying. Then the sound of a breaking glass and a clang of metal pants hitting the floor rings out. The server dropped a large tray of food. 
although you were attending to your meal and your conversation, that crashing sound would likely get through your attentional filters and capture your attention. You have no choice but to notice it. That attentional capture would be caused by the sound from the environment. It would be bottom up. So our bottom up is how our experiences are being shaped by our environment, our perspective. So the way that we adapt to those things is we imagine, you know, how our um how our our perceptions are shaping the way that we adapt to things. So if you're looking at things from a bottom up, you're going to be looking at things from your environment. And that is going to shape your perception. If you're looking at things from the top down, you're going to be looking at your previous experiences and your expectations. So people that look at things from the top down and people that look at things from the bottom up, they see different things. And this article is so like this, this book is so interesting, right? Let me, let me, uh, okay. So now I want to read this. So inattentional blindness is the failure to notice something that is completely visible because the person was actively attending to something else and did not pay attention to other things. So for instance, some people may have inattentional blindness where they, where, where you saying something to them, but they're not paying attention. It's like they they hear you, but they not listening to you. So sometimes you may find yourself having to repeat the same things to somebody over and over and over and over again. Why? Because they had inattentional blindness. They wasn't paying attention to you. So in a similar experiment, researchers had tested inattentional blindness by asking participants to observe images moving across a computer screen. So they were instructed to basically focus on white or black objects they was disregarding every other color they could only focus on white or black objects so when a red cross had passed across the screen many of the subjects did not notice it about one third of them they didn't even see the red red cross they were only focused on the black and white so that now look we're about to go i'm about to go into the deep discussion of discrimination right motivation let's listen for a moment right so motivation also can affect your perception so for instance the ability to identify a stimulus when it is embedded in a distracting background is called signal detection theory so this might also explain why a mother is awakened by a quiet murmur from her baby but not by the sounds that occur while she is then you know, we have controllers that need to be able to detect planes among many signals that appear on the radar screen and follow those planes as they move through the sky. So when you think about beliefs, values, prejudices, expectations, and life experiences, each and every person are going to be seeing things differently. They are going to be seeing things from the bottom up or the top down. And so the way that they see these things is because their individual experiences is shaping their binocular uh, vision for that perception that they're receiving. So they're 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 getting a binocular perception. 
through they, their shared experience, um, including their cultural context that have, you know, like provided different effects on their, their perception. So your grandparents may influence the way, way you think. Your parents influence the way you think. Your immediate circle of friends, co-workers, your managers influence the way that you think. So when, um, for instance, now they, for example, they says uh, Marshall Siegel, Donald Campbell, and Melville Hersokovitz of 1963, published the results of a multinational study in which they demonstrated that individuals from Western cultures were more prone to experience certain types of visual illusions than individuals from non-Western cultures and vice versa. So what this means is that people that come from Western cultures, now Western culture, Western um, culture thinking, what happens is, is that those are the things that have contributed to racism, disparities, many different things that are going on with inequity and equality around the world. It's Western civilization thinking. So what this multinational study said was people that have Western cultures, they don't see things the same way as individuals that are from non-Western cultures. And non-Western cultures is vice versa. They don't see things the way that Western culture sees them. So they see, they actually have experienced different types of illusions. And so in this figure that they have here, it says the illusion that Westerners were more likely to experience was the Mueller liar illusion. The lines appear to be different lengths, but they are actually the same length. So in this figure, it shows that in the Mueller liar illusion, lines appear to be different lengths, although they are identical. In A, arrows at the end of the lines may make the line on the right appear longer, although the lines are the same length. B, when applied to a three-dimensional image, the line on the right again may appear longer, although uh, both black lines are the same length. So when we look at these perpetual differences, they are consistent with the differences in the types of environmental features, basically saying that they give them a different perspective because of the cultural context. So people in Western cultures, for example, have a perceptual context of buildings with straight lines. So they're going to focus on the straight lines of the building. While people from maybe none Western cultures may just focus on the, the bricks of the building or the structure, right? So we see here that in contrast, people from certain non Western cultures with an uncarpented, uncarpented uh, view, such as the Zulu of South Africa, whose villages are made up of round huts arranged in circles. They are less susceptible to this illusion. So it's not just the vision that is affected by cultural factors. We, uh, we see that there is um, a demonstration of the ability of identity of odor, all, including the rate of pleasantness, um, intensity, cross-cultural so children described 
as thrill seekers are more likely to so show different taste preferences for intense sour flavor. You see, you see that 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 is stripped out, and this is according to uh, Liam West Westerbeek uh, or Woltenick Coke and et al. Two thousand four. So they saying that children that are thrill seekers love eating food that has uh sour flavors intense sour flavors so this suggests that basic aspects of personality might affect their perception so individuals who hold positive attitude toward reduced fat foods are more likely to rate foods labeled as reduced fat as tasting better than people who have less positive attitudes about these products so what this what this um excerpt from this uh psychology book showed us is that everyone is going to have a different perspective a different concept in the way that you're actually visually seeing things and so why is that well let's go to the bible I wanted to go to um see I want to go to Nehemiah chapter 8 So in Nehemiah chapter 8 it says all the people came together as in one square before the water gate they told Ezra the teacher of the law to bring out the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded for Israel so on the first day of the seventh month Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men women and others who also could understand and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law Ezra the teacher of the law stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion beside him on his right stood Mattathiah Shema Ananiah Uriah Hilkiah and Messiah and on his left were Padaiah Michelle Malkajai Hashon Hashbadane Zechariah and Mashalom so Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all, all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, so what we see here is ezra is he is the teacher of the law and he's reading the book of the law of moses right because this is the, the what the lord has commanded for israel and so he is giving the law to the people of israel so that they can understand what what the law was right so i wanted to skip over a couple of verses and go down to um go down to verse nine it says then nehemiah then nehemiah the governor ezra the priest uh, the priest and the teacher of the law and the levites who were instructing the people said to them all this day is holy to the lord your god do not mourn or weep 
For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And so, so see what happens here is when you when you hear the word of God, sometimes some people may not like hearing certain things like I just talked about the truth. So when, when you understand God, the word of God says that what? Let God be true and every man a liar. When these people heard what the law of Moses was for, for what the Lord had commanded the, in Israel, they were weeping and they mourned. See, well, that's what it says. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Why do you think that they were weeping and mourning? It was because of their perception of what they understood of the law. They know that they were doing things that were against the law, right? They knew that. So they mourning and weeping because the, the first thing in the commandments, it says, thou shalt have no other God. Right? So let's go to Exodus 20 because the, the, the Ten Commandments is there. So let's go to that. So Exodus 20, right? So, um... In Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. That's one right there. You shall have no other gods before me. This is what God is saying. These people are mourning and weeping because of their perception, because of their perspective of the law. They this is what God wanted them. The the, the law of Moses was for the people of Israel. So they were supposed to obey the law. And instead of them being excited to hear about it, they was mourning and weeping because they knew that they wasn't obedient to the law. See? So, like what the psychology academic book is talking about, our perspective, our perception is going to be different depending on who is influencing you, your pre your pre-existing thoughts and belief system, your parents. Your friends, your socioeconomic status, your co-workers, your managers, how you engage, you know, with just the way you engage with random people tells a lot about you, right? So it is so important to be able to be that type of person that can accept the truth. You see here in 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 4, in verse 4, it says, well, I'm going to go to verse 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth. So if you're unwilling to accept the truth, you're unwilling to accept God. Because we see in John 8 and 44 that you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. So we know that the truth comes from God and God alone. All truth comes from God. So going back to Nehemiah, we see that they were mourning and weeping. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Because of their perspective. They had these pre-existing thoughts and belief systems. They sitting up here doing all type of things. And that made them weep. That made them mourn. Just listening to just the first verse. Uh, I mean, the, sec the third one. Uh, Exodus, the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20. You shall have no other gods before me. 
Now, when you think of other gods, a lot of times people just say, you worshiping another god. It don't say that. It, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. Let me look at the King James Bible too. So when we go to the, the, um, the King James here, and it says, thou shall have no other gods before me. That God, the other God that you serving, it could be your job. They did a study. And in this study, they said that people listen to their managers more than they listen to anybody else in the world, more than they listen to their pastors and their spouses. So let's go, let's go here. Um, uh, I'm gonna put study conducted that showed people listen to managers more than their spouses. So I think this is it. Employee perceptions, employee perception of ethical listening in U.S. organizations. It says through a national online survey with 300 U.S. employees, this study revealed that non-managers and women are not satisfied with their organization listening efforts. See, this is this isn't it. I thought I could find it. Just um, let me see. Hold on one second. Oh, uh, maybe this is it. Right, this this was another one. Managers impact mental health more than doctors, therapists, and same as spouses. This is it right here. It says three-fifths of the world's employees say their job impacts their mental health more than anything else. Do you see this? This is real. So <laughs> it says managers impact employees' mental health 69% more than doctors, 51% more than therapists and 41 percent of even the same as their spouse or partner which is about 69 percent so okay so what it's saying is the the managers impact mental health overall 69 percent 51 percent more than doctors 41 percent more than therapists and 69 percent more than spouse or partner and it says more than 80 percent of employees would rather have good mental health than a high-paying job Two-thirds of employees take a pay cut for a job that better supports their mental wellness. And 70% of managers would too. Now, that's definitely true for me. I would take a pay cut to work in the right culture. Work stress negatively impacts employee home life. This is about 71%. It impacts their well-being by 64%. And it impacts their relationships by 62%. So 40% of the C-suite says that they will likely quit within the year because of work-related stress. See that? And so all of these things are contributors, contributors to having problems. And so when you go, when we go look at this in Nehemiah, we see that your cultural competence is shaped by the way you was raised, the way that you were taught. So, for instance, my grandmother always said, you know, them some some white people raise their dogs and their animals to be racist. I never seen a racist animal until recently, just like a few months ago, I seen a turtle 
that was like hitting a person's shoe that they put black tape around. And I just didn't understand why are they even doing a, a like study like that. So the, the turtle would only attack the person's shoe if it had black tape. If it had any other color other than black, it wouldn't attack. And so I just thought that that was horrible. But that was my first time actually seeing something that closely is related or correlates to a racist um animal or a reptile or something like that. So when we think of what was happening to the people of Israel, they were mourning and they were weeping. And it says, for all the people have been weeping and they listened to the words of the law. So Nehemiah said, so you have to understand, let me, before I even continue on in this chapter, that your prejudice behavior, your stereotype, negative attitude, biases, your intercultural incompetence, it only comes from the inability to be able to see things from a different perspective. So it's like, okay, now you was taught something, you learned it, now you believe it. So now when you hear something different in your beliefs, it's like, ah, ah, I don't want to know that. Ah, I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. I'm comfortable with the way that I am. Well, think about this. Prior to them making microwaves, everyone used to warm their food up in the oven or recook it. They reheat it, right? So you got comfortable with using a microwave. And now no one likes using microwaves anymore. I don't have a microwave. I haven't had a microwave in many years. I use an air fryer ever since the air fryer came out. That's what everybody has is air fryer. I'm not going to say everyone, but most people like prefer to have an air fryer in their home. And they, some people still have microwaves. So it would be wrong for me to say that all people have air fryers because that wouldn't be true. So when I'm speaking, I'm not going to say all to anything because it isn't inclusive. And the reason why it isn't inclusive is because everyone doesn't apply to that. Everyone isn't a cook. Everyone doesn't have their own house. Some people are living with other people. So that isn't inclusive. So we get we have to make sure that we are understanding things from the values of other people. We need to place value. We need to place value on other people's level, level of important things. And so since God is important to you, if you say that God is important to you, but you're not placing no value on your relationship, you're not reading the Bible, what is your favorite scripture? How many scriptures are your favorite? You know, what do you like most about your relationship with God? How can you improve, you know, your relationship with God? What are some things that you can, that you would like to improve? And yes, those things are personal, which is why that should be between you and God. That isn't for you to, you don't have to tell everybody, oh, I would like to improve this and I would like to improve that. Unless you have, uh, unless you have a person that you would, could pray with. Just because you talk to a person about your problems, it doesn't equate to them wanting to be prayerful with you. It doesn't mean that they're going to pray with you. They might gossip with you. They might talk about your problems, but that doesn't mean that they're going to pray for you. That doesn't mean that they want the best for you. So our ongoing personal homework should include um, us being able to sponsor the basically like the interpersonal intent instead of our own intent. 
being able to authentically perceive the voices of others because it's not about us, whether it's about the people, activities, and their outcome. So I do agree with the article that it suggests that the, the evaluative process for us should include the processes, protocols, practices, and products that are congruent, congruent to the lived experience of the sociocultural structures called experiential validity. And experiential validity can um, influence the results by allowing us to use generalizability of the entire population. So if we incorporate questions like what outcome could be influencing this? What, um, what are some things that uh, if the outcomes are not being predicated, why are they not being predicated? Identify problems with the activities. In what ways does multicultural validity sustain learning development? So why are people not understanding? Why are they not able to learn from each other? You know, so we have to be able to understand by cultivating to our self-development and allowing God to shape us. So when you are not conformed to this world, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you want to be able to, like, for instance, I do not agree with some parts of the article because it uh, attenuates investigating the social consequences of a combination of both positive and negative attributes to a particular test which can include learning, access, equal classroom content, emotional intelligence, the validity of self-reporting, um, idiosyncrasies, um, and many other contributing factors that influence consequential validity. So for me, I don't, I mean, I think that there are some benefits and disadvantages of focusing on the social consequences, but I don't think that focusing on consequences is optimistic so that you know when you're focusing on a bed it, it's it, it's like okay yes you should look at the good and yes you should look at the negative so the consequential validity what it does it, it focuses on the combination of both the positive and negative but think about this for instance if you identify the problems yes you can't sort of reshape them but if you employ new positive attributes you don't even have to focus on the negative you can you can denote those let them go because they're not working so why why should we continue to practice in the ideologies that are proven ineffective so these ideologies in society are ineffective approaches and they're not stimulating the economy. They're not stimulating people. They're not stimulating God at all. They're not focusing emphasis on empowerment. So when we start with self, we can help others. And we not only just our, our, our minds get transformed, but we are also become, we become transformational leaders for other people to understand too. So I just think that criterion validity does a great job of establishing the results of a test and can predict the outcomes. So uh, the outcome driven approaches, you know, um, not focusing on, oh, okay, well, this 
this didn't work that way. So we should, you know, you can't keep focusing on the bed. You just have to invent new ways that allows everyone to agree on. And the truth will always prevail over a lie. All right? So you don't have to be afraid. Okay, well, are we compromising our beliefs in this? Are we compromising it? No, 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 no. The truth, once the truth is confirmed and validated, the truth prevails. We see this in everyday life. We see this in friendships. We see this in um, relationships with co-workers. We see this in, um, you know, your, your family relationships. We see this in your relationships, your marriages. The truth prevails. So, also, um, understanding like the interpersonal validity. It seems somewhat underdeveloped as the article has suggested it. It does not have excellence in um, cultivating cultural competence that is demanded if we are going to embrace a twofold agenda of like basically our self instrument, analyzing our inside out self and outside in about what, you know, what we are allowing to come into our hearts to shape us, right? Focusing on refining our own lens and filters so that we can accurately discern how to navigate, how to negotiate, and how to better understand sociocultural engagement. And these are the things that we need to um, prioritize and place emphasis on. And so going back to the scripture in Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah chapter 8, I left off on verse 9 with them mourning and weeping. So I'm going to verse 10. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see that? So, so what Nehemiah is saying is, look, go and enjoy some food and, and sweet drinks and give, give it to those that don't have nothing prepared. When you go out and help other people, it will then make you feel good. Let me explain this to you. When I help other people, I feel so good. It just is it, so encouraging to understand that when you see other people going through experiences that you either overcame and now you can help them, it encourages you. It inspires you because guess what? It is when, when you are able to help other people that are without, what it does, it, it allows you to see life differently. Like on, um, I'm trying to think of the name of this thing. The compassion experience. The compassion experience is a place in Navy Pier. What I used to have in the Navy Pier. I haven't been there in a while. And basically you go there. And when you go there, they allow you to basically like sit in a room. Like as if it was a third world country. And you experience what it feels like to not have anything and so when that happens it teaches you how to appreciate life so like 
maybe it it would be a nice opportunity maybe if a rich person dates a uh you know medium uh, a middle class person or someone that is a working class because it'll it'll be a constant reminder of how to appreciate certain things and it'll create create opportunity of understanding things not just from a one side perspective but our perspective is not only just shaped by the word of God, but it's, it is shaped by our pre-existing thoughts and belief systems. We have to unlearn things in order for us to become great. So you see here in um, chapter, oh, I'm sorry, verse 10, when Nehemiah is saying, go and enjoy choice foods, enjoy cho choice foods and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. Do you know why? You give them to people that are that don't have nothing prepared. Well, it's because those people that don't have anything prepared gonna appreciate when you bring them some food. Just go out and try it. And then you'll see just how inspiring it'll allow you to appreciate just some of the smaller things in life. Like, so for instance, I saw recently I saw um a Twitter a tweet that someone has said that sports are dominated by African Americans. And so when there is a white uh when there is a white uh athlete that are that is trying to get drafted into a sport or something like that, they usually always choose the African American person over the white person. And so when I when I heard that I was just like, wow, you know, just the, the, the discrepancy there, because some people are like, okay, look, I have did this and I work really hard. I would like to have access to this sport. I would like to be, uh, 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 you know, drafted in this, you know, and it's like, okay, well, wait a minute. African-Americans been in sports for a long time. They, they basically have dominated many sports. So. When we not only when when we look at the perception of whites that are some whites are feeling some type of way about this because they say okay well they're giving all the sports to the blacks well someone needs to reach a consensus how do you reach a consensus about this you have to first have conversations that create a standard across cultures a standard across cultures you have to be able to communicate with a person with uh western civilization ideology a, a lgbtq or transgender population you have to be able to communicate with the disenfranchised also with those that feel that are, they are enduring inequity you know or they feel that they are some people are experiencing racial de facto segregation you put all them people together including the class clan the Black Lives Matter, the All Lives Matter groups, and you just have one member in each one talk. And allow, this will allow the opportunity to reach a consensus. Because in order to reach conflict resolution, like I said yesterday, you have to go through the conflict. You can't change what you don't identify. I can't make you identify it. But I could, I could plant some seeds in your life because that's what God used me for, to plant seeds. I could water some seeds in your life, but God is ultimately going to grow it.
Because that's what the word of God says. So, yes, if you are, you, you are wealthy. If you are wealthy, then go out. Don't just give your money to charity. Go out and help somebody. You don't got to show it all off. You don't got to, you don't have to go and have paparazzi follow you everywhere. You just go out and hide the way you look. You don't have to be obvious, but do something different. If you want to do something different in this world, you're going to have to start doing things different. Because you just because you donated to this charity or the charity, it doesn't mean that they're going to put everything correct on their 990. You don't know what they specifically doing with all of that money. They're required to. But why are you not actively involved in the process of your giving? Forget about what everybody else talking about. You have to you have to be the one that make the difference. Remember, it's not about you. It's about the people, activities and their outcomes. It's not about me. It's not about anyone else. It's about a big world that we live in and people are going to always have differences. So let me go ahead and um kind of like shift topics here. So I want to, I'm going to stop share and then I'm going to share again. I'm going to share the PowerPoint again. Okay. So this is the uh, Seminetti um, facilitation review that I did. So in order for us to like understand this cultural competence, I have questions here that I developed. So how do we develop diversity in places, spaces, and people? Well, the way that we develop diversity in places, spaces, and people is we look at their skills. We look at what opportunity can they provide? Yes, some people are educated. Some people are so educated that they are not teachable. They are not trainable. So you want to employ individuals that you can teach that can be trainable i i can't i can't tell you how many times i've come across so many upper management people so many individuals that were ceos and just like they are extremely highly educated but they are not teachable you can't tell them anything okay literally literally and figuratively so in order to develop diversity in places, spaces, and people, you want to make sure that everyone in your organization can be trainable and teachable, regardless of however much they know. So for instance, for me, I am certified in Oracle, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. I'm also certified in Oracle Cloud Data Management. But I am fairly recent with my certifications, right? And so what that means is this. If I work at an organization and there is someone who's younger than me and they have been doing this type of work for 10 years. So Oracle has only been around for about 10 years. So if, this, if they have been doing this since the beginning of Oracle, guess what? I want to learn from the experts. It doesn't matter about me being certified. I don't care how old they are. 
they are the expert. They've been doing it ever since the beginning. I just got certified. Okay. So it isn't about your education level. It isn't about my education level. It isn't about any of that. It's about, look, they have more experience. I want them to teach me and I want to learn. So it doesn't matter about how much information I know or how much information I've learned. I always want to be teachable and trainable. You should be able to talk to me. You should be able to tell me, oh, okay, you know what star is that? Now that's not sounding right. Those are the type of people that I like being around, if you believe it or not. Like mainly all of my friends that I talk on, like when I do talk to them, they are all telling me stuff. We are all to, always tuning in to critical thinking, analyzing stuff. You know, they all my friends, all of them, they don't always agree with me. They don't. We we sit back and we talk and say, okay, we might. Some people may think we arguing about something. We're not arguing. That's our conversation. No, okay, so why is you saying this? So, like, if we're all in the house and we all having conversations, we are literally going to get down to the bottom nitty-gritty to that. Whatever that topic or that situation is. Like, no, no, no. Wait, just think about this. Now, if he did this, then why would she go and do that? Okay, we're analyzing things collectively. So, in order for us to develop diversity in places and, and spaces and with people, we have to be willing to allow these diverse environments. You have so many people in upper management that really are holding your organization back because they won't change their, their ideology. They're not changing their level of thinking. They're not transformational leaders. They're micromanagers. Instead of them helping people to make sure that a person fully understands something or where they creating transformational opportunities they're creating transformational leaders instead they gossiping they causing problems within the organization they only helping who they choose and they want to help right and then they're not supporting or sponsoring diversity it isn't about how much a person know is really about our how transparent can you be because jesus we see that god was god was authoritative but god was also transparent he worked with the tax collectors that were shooed upon people did not like the tax collectors coming walking up to their doors trying to get payment from poor people and rich people tax collectors everywhere nobody likes the tax collectors it's like the irs showing up at your door Nobody wants the IRS coming to their house. So Jesus walked and worked with anybody that was willing to walk with him. He told the rich man, he said, the man, the rich man came and said, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? He said, go and sell everything you have and come and follow me. And then the rich man walked away weeping. Why? Because he was a man of many possessions. He didn't want to give it up. So just because you have well, whatever, whatever many possessions you have, it doesn't equate to you not having God in your life. If you keeping God in your life, that's that's great. But just make sure that you can employ diversity because you may be thinking that your business is succeeding, but really in actuality, if you allow individuals that can be teachable and trainable. The people that are innovators, 
they come up with great ideas and these ideas when when you can help shape these ideas they grow into something so innovative so creative right but it doesn't happen when you have micromanagers around that are not results driven results driven managers are always going to create other transformational leader if you have leaders within your organization they are not transformational leaders they're not going to produce transformation yeah you may have some people that have might have a small amounts of uh, efficiency but there's a difference between efficiency and effectiveness right it's like okay you can't reach them all but the goal is to reach each person that you encounter encounter and make it memorable. So I can tell you right now that I know for sure that each and every single person that I have ever encountered, God allowed me to leave a mark in their life. God allowed me to make, make I bet you, it. I can promise you that it was a memorable experience in some type of way because that is what we're supposed to do every single person that you encounter you should be impacting their lives regardless of whatever they're going through every single person that you encounter you should be impacting their lives so it doesn't matter if it was 10 years that went past they're gonna remember you because God used you to plant that seed. God used you to water a seed in their life. They're going to remember. I remember the people who planted seeds in my heart. I remember people who water seeds that God put in my path. I remember Pastor Tom when I was 18 years old prophesying over me. I was 18, I remember it so vivid. So um, the next question is, what can you bring to situations? So if you are only giving um, parts of yourself, so I had went, let me explain this. I had, when I was married, I had went on to a conference and on this, con I went on a marriage conference and they talked about in marriage, how it's 50 and 50, but it's not 50 and 50. We are supposed to give a hundred percent and the other person give a hundred percent. When you show up to work, I'm giving a hundred percent and you should give a hundred percent give all that you have i still had to go to work when i was when my husband was out going messing with other females i can't keep up with you know the amount of women i, I just can't do it okay so i didn't worry about it i had to go to work whatever was going on at home i still had to go to work and i still had to go to school it doesn't matter if you cheated, okay, fine. We'll talk about it when I get home later. All right. I don't have time to talk about that right now. If you you know, so like in my second in my second marriage, it was kind of difficult for me. But it, there was a lot of different things that was going on in that marriage. So that's the point. What can you bring to the situation? Are you contributing? Are you like? bringing a, are you what what type of deposits are you making in that person's life what what are you withdrawing from them if you always withdrawing when are you making positive deposits nobody wants you to just keep taking and withdrawing and withdrawing don't don't withdraw from me like that
Don't keep withdrawing from my life. Because God wants us to bring positivity to situations, which means that if we having a conversation about something, let's talk about it. So it, it is it's sometimes it's very difficult for some people to have conversations. So if you are not contributing to a meeting, don't say nothing in. If you can't talk about certain things, don't say nothing at all. If you have something so negative to say, if you really, really don't want to have an open forum that creates engagement, don't contribute. Don't say nothing. You don't have any. What are you contributing? If you're not contributing to a marriage, how do you feel that you should stay in that marriage? If you are not you you the man and you the head and God created you to be the head because the in in First Corinthians eleven and three it says the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man. But you around here not acting like the man. You're not contributing as the man. What what are you supposed to like? What are you you expecting? You crying out to God every single day, but not that much. You you giving God a three minute conversation and you wondering why the, your life the way that it is. Why is your life like that? Because what can you bring to the situation? What are you bringing to your communication with God? How are you understanding God? How are you reading the word? What is God telling you? What is God trying to show you? So you need to focus on what you are contributing, how you are contributing to your relationships, your with your at your job. Are you showing up just giving your bare minimum? See you. This is this is the way I always tell people when I when I help them get jobs and I and I get them hired because see I do pre interview prepping and I'm gonna do your resume and you're gonna get the job. I can guarantee that you're gonna get a call. I can't guarantee that you're gonna pass the interview. Now I prep you and, and try to go over some of the 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 interviewer questions, but ultimately it's you. So when you get the job and you obtain it, how are you showing up to work? What type of energy are you bringing to work? Are you giving your all? I can tell you right now that all of the jobs that I ever had, I was giving my all. I literally do. I'm going to work without the distractions. Now, one thing about me, I will always have my phone on and in the event that my kids call me. Even in even at work at workplaces that where they say where you can't have a phone, I will get that approved. If my kids call me in an emergency or something, I need to be able to answer the phone. And so I always have my phone. But when it comes to work, I'm gonna give. Because you have to say to yourself, okay, when you went to this job, what if you was the owner? How are you using the company time? I can't just sit there. I do not like working a place and I, I'm not doing no work. I, I just, I would go, I would say, look, this, I feel like I'm still in the company tent. I don't do this. Can I can't do this. Give me some work to do, please. Can I do, is it other people that need help in other departments? Like, you know, I am an effective worker. I'm very efficient. I'm effective. I like working when I work. So you give your best. You do your best. You don't give. You don't give a little bit. Oh, they ain't paying me enough for this. Then go find another job. That means that you're gonna be. You're gonna be the one that's gonna be creating a negative work culture. Don't be coming. At, don't come over here gossiping to me. I don't want to hear it. 
So how can the next question is how can cultural competence provide viability, vitality, productivity, and trust rapport building? Well, cultural competence allows us to create viability, vitality, and productivity through us being transparent with us respecting others in a way where we can respect their boundaries, but yet still communicate with them. If you have your beliefs, have your beliefs, but you didn't see, you didn't see Jesus going around here, beating up people upside the top of their head just because they didn't agree with him. He knew what the Pharisees were thinking, but he still communicated with them. He knew it. He still told them. He still corrected them. He still taught them. We as children of God, we still have to plant seeds in the lives of everybody that we encounter. We still have to water seeds and plant them in the lives of everyone that we encounter. We are not God to be saying, oh, well, see, you know, I don't know if I should talk to you about God. I'm going to talk to God about, I'm going to talk to God to everybody. Now, in certain spaces, I would just say a scripture. And I know that I need to get into the habit of really speaking the word of God because teachers, they can't speak it, but students can. Right. And so it's a, it's so important for us to have this cultural um, competence because it will provide us with the necessary utilization that we need in order for us to communicate and give positive rapport building skills with other people i learned so much from being in a being interrelated to a family that was the ku klux klan i learned so much about caucasians that i never even knew existed i also learned that many caucasians that are raised in these racist homes many of them don't want to even be a part of it because when they look on the outside of, of the world, the rest of the world, they see other people growing. They see other people being inspired. And homes that teach hate, that there are so many people that don't want to be involved in that. Just because they have friends who are minorities, they hold family, their entire family will abandon them. Just because of maybe the major that they choose. You know, that, that, isn't, that is supporting or sponsoring minorities. They feel like they're selling out. And now it's no longer becoming uh, like uh, just uh, disparities in different social structures. But what is really happening is people are now making a joke about everything. They say, oh, well... We know that a job application is the racist. Everything is racist, Democrats. The bottle of water is racist. Oh yeah, if you say that, that's racist. They that now they're making a fun, they making fun of what racism is. And it's you have to understand that with people coming from a different upbringing than you, they're gonna have different engagement than you. So you can't say, okay. Well, what's wrong with them? They should know this. It's just like they'll say, well, what's wrong with you? You should know this. You should know not to sound like that. You should know not to act like that. 
They want you to be a certain way. Everybody have these pre-existing thoughts and beliefs of what their regular norms are. And it is in our place to say that just because you were raised in the Western culture way of thinking, that your, your entire existence is wrong. We can't just say because you disenfranchised and you in an underserved community that your entire existence is wrong. Or just because you was raised in a Ku Klux Klan home that your entire existence is, is wrong. God created all of these people. But that don't mean that they all going to serve him. But we as children of God need to be planting seeds and watering them to make sure that the people that they understand what God wants us to practice. And all it, all it requires on now will be half is speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. Still working with people even when you disagree with them. Efficiently and effectively. You know? Um, the next thing, that's part of the cultural competence part. Now the participant perspective, like those people that really want to participate in making change, how do we maximize engagement? Well, we maximize engagement by going out, talking to people. Sometimes it's okay to meet, it's okay to meet people that, that are not always in your circle. When I go to the grocery store, I promise every single time I go to the grocery store, there's so many, so many people that talk to me from different races. Okay. I had this one white man that was just following me around the grocery store. Um, so like was just asking me all type of questions and stuff. So it's okay to talk to people outside of your race. If you see somebody that need help, help them. I seen another person of a different race that was having trouble reading some things on the um ingredient list. And I was, you need some help with that? You know, how are you being helpful to the people that you know? And if you so overwhelmed with things, God do not want you to overexert yourself. You could still be successful and work work less. It's all about how you utilize your mind and your thinking. So for me, I think I made more money on the um more money on the side than I did working a job. Because of my network of people that I know. Just helping business owners, helping them restructure their business, just doing different things like that, building a network. This allows us to maximize our engagement. How can truth be valued? That's the next one. Well, I'm gonna use this one with um with my sister. I'm gonna say this with my sister. So my sister say, Well, sometimes you you just don't have empathy for me. I'm like, well, how don't I have empathy? If you if you say that I am lacking in empathy with you. Explain it to me so I can know what not to do. If you're saying these things and you feel this way, explain it to me so I won't do it again. I don't want to hurt your feelings. So if I'm doing something wrong, talk to me about it. I am the best person to talk to about me. 
And if I am an African-American, which I am, I would be a good person to ask an African-American question, right? Just because you drive through the minority community doesn't mean you know what the minority community needs. There are so many people in political um, positions of power that instead of them working with their community, they just drive through their community. And they know what their community needs. That isn't that isn't true value. How can we how can truth be value? And then the way we place value is is like I, I tell my kids, I my my son has a girlfriend. And and um when she says, pick your clothes up, he comes, they come in that she comes in the house and he has clothes everywhere and she complains about it. Well, you're not valuing her level of important things. If she say pick your things up, place emphasis on that. Make that important. Attenuate to what she's saying. You know, but you also have to understand that if you in sin, you're going to be having some problems. So I can't force you to stop fornicating. But I'm going to tell you what, what's going to happen if you keep fornicating, you're going to have problems in your relationship. Because God isn't in the center of your relationship. God should be your driving force. Let God be your navigation system. You could be the, you could be the driver, but let God navigate your, your location. And you need to place emphasis on other people's level of important things. So, for instance, if my cousin, he tell me, look, cuz, I... You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't, he's telling me something personal about another family member. And I'm like, okay, you know, why are you feeling that way? Because he feel that way because of maybe that how that person treated him. Right. So even though I, I, I might be thinking under a different perspective, I'm like, okay, well, if that's how you feel about that person, you know, only thing we could do is pray about it. That's all we could do is pray about it. Because if they're not valuing your level of importance, what can you do about it? We have to learn how to let go. That's it. There are going to be people that are, gonna be, that are going to be change makers. That go, are going to prioritize the value of the organization and place much emphasis on it. And there are people that, that are going to put low priority on it. See, I, when I'm organizing my work, I have a, a system that I use. So I have high priority, intermediate priority, low priority. So my high priority tasks are going to be things that I'm going to do right away. That means that they have deadlines and due dates, right? My intermediate priority, okay, they have a combination of some due dates and they may not have some due dates. So the low priority are things that don't even have no due date at all, but they just need completed. So when working in an organization, you want to have employees that can that they can value the organization goals. And they do this by analyzing certain subjects, certain topics, not as objects. 
So you, you're you not looking at a person that's, oh, okay, well, this is what we can get out of this. And this is what we can get from this. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can contribute. People remember your contributions. I can tell you that right now. I know that from experience. If, I, if you're withdrawing and withdrawing and withdrawing, they're going to remember that too. Because that's what you contributed. You contributed withdrawing from that person's life. And if you contributed making deposits, you encouraged them, you uplift them, you supported them, you sponsored them, you was there. Guess what? They're going to remember that you contributed by making deposits into their life. So you didn't look at their tops or their concerns as being low priority. You attenuated to them. Not as objects and what you can get from them. So we want to be able to understand um, the outcome assessment, assessment, like the growth perspective. We want to understand the process of activities and components as it relates to the delivery of different programs. So it's not just within the program as it relates to yourself. How can you understand what you're contributing to? Are you really, really, do you love God enough where you are in how many times, how much time have you spent with the Lord? How do your heart feel when you're not talking to God? Like for me, I I just kind of felt like, let me, let, I need to go over here and get on my knees and pray. I was up at early this morning praying. Very early, very, very, very early. I got up at like three something and then I was sleep at like five something. And then I got up again and I was praying again. It was like God was just putting a lot of different things on my heart to pray about. So we need to understand the process and what we're engaging in. The activities that are either allowing us to be efficient allowing us to be effective or activities that are disallowing you to be efficient and effective the internal process perspective like how are you internalizing your pre-existing thoughts and belief systems like for instance if you have if you don't know what it means to be in a committed marriage or if you've never been on a job for longer than a year how can you tell me anything about a job if you never been in a marriage for more than five or 10 years, how can you tell me anything about a relationship? If you don't have any kids, how can you tell me anything about kids? Yeah, you can, you can say what your um, external perspective is, but unless you actually went through and endured an experience, you don't really know how to relate. You can, you can have empathy, but you're not going to have a vivid perspective because you didn't go through that experience. So lived experiences shape the perspective of everyone differently. So someone that is that has Western culture thinking, they have that lived experience of Western, Western civilization. A strong black woman person with a strong black woman syndrome, she have that lived experience of what it means to have the strong black woman syndrome. Black Lives Matter members 
have a lived experience of what black lives mean. All lives matter. They have experiences of what all lives mean. So it's about your perspective. So how to build, how can you internally build this unilateral self-awareness? Well, you have to make sure that you're not looking at people just from a tunnel vision and from one lens. You have to say, you know what? I don't know what that person went through. I don't know what they've experienced, but I would like to know. I would. I would like to talk to you about, about, you know, your experience or what you've endured. Well, I don't think it's gay. I don't think it is just to say that. You know, if somebody is gay, I want to know, you know, how do you plan on respecting the boundaries of other people? Because we can't legislate morals and values within our legislative process. We can't create bills that's going to force people to have morals and values. We can't pass bills into law that will force them to have morals and values we just we should intrinsically have these values and respect for other people by valuing their level of importance we are all going to have differentiating you know opinions and things and and our priorities are also going to be different they're going to be distinct but it's about creating that multilateral self-awareness using self as a pivotal instrument so we need to be looking at ourselves so like i feel that i can't help you if i if i didn't work on me if i don't work on me i i don't feel like i could tell you too much i, I just it doesn't feel right it doesn't so it's always about this a continuation of self-analysis that allows us to pivot differently yes we are all eminently similar but we are so different okay if you don't don't use the profanity i don't use profanity okay so i would like for you to respect the podcast but if you feel that it's it doesn't make sense you know everything isn't gonna always make sense but just because we come with these pre-existing thoughts and belief system it doesn't mean that you can't broaden the scope of your understanding. Sometimes you need to unlearn things in order to empower yourself. Like for instance, today I seen a book. It's a it's a book about um it's a physicist book. And I'm going to actually place the order to understand how the light and energy. I would like to understand that their thinking. This particular physicist was he sounded interesting. But the way he's approaching life isn't, you know, from a spiritual lens of God. He's approaching it from a scientific method perspective. So the audience is uh, like an anecdotal uh, audience. Those people that don't look at the scientific method. So um, anecdotal audiences are usually, they are going to have a spiritual understanding of certain things. But it's nothing wrong with wanting to understand a perspective i want to understand because i want to know when i'm talking to a physicist i want to know does those some of them other physicists they probably thinking just like him 
See, it's not about true. It's not about me. It's about them. It's about how can we allow the other perspective to be influenced by us? Remember, okay, remember this. It is not about you. It is not about us. It's about them. So let me go ahead and pray. That's two, two hour mark. I appreciate you all so much for joining me and this person. I understand that he, he thought it was stupid. He thought it was gay. But just understand that God wants us to analyze things from a different perspective and not our own. So let me go ahead and pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne. We thank you so much for giving us your word today, God. I just pray that you allow me to continue, you know, to, to give your word, Lord. Allow us to see things from our not from our perspective or our pre-existing thoughts and belief system, God, but allow us to have your perspective. We want to think like you, God. You are our daddy. You are our God. You are our father, God. You are our comforter. You are our protector. You are our leader. You are our head, God. You are everything to us, God. So we want to, we want to do things that's pleasing to you, God. Let us, show us, guide us, strengthen us provide for us let us see what we need to see so that we can change and fulfill your plan will and purpose in our life let, let your will be done not ours give us discernment keep us ten thousand steps ahead of every situation and circumstance making sure that no man shall deceive us because we have the mind of christ and therefore no weapon formed against us shall prosper in jesus name god thank you that we prevail over our enemies that we triumph over our enemies in the name of jesus christ and god we just pray that you please allow your will to be done not ours but yours in jesus name